exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Good afternoon or good morning or good evening, depending on what time you're watching this. If you're not watching live, I'm Reverend Kelly Isola. Welcome to With Love and Justice for All with my co-host, Reverend Ogan Holder. Hi. We have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, uh, including the challenges that often arise um, with spiritual seekers within spiritual communities. And if you'd like to join our conversation, you can call in 816-251-3555. You can also message us on Facebook and Instagram, and our handle is at GetOurHolyOn. So you can find us there. And today, because it's Pearl Harbor Day, today is December 7th, uh, our conversation is going to be focused on race and the military. Even though the armed services have been integrated for more than 70 years, um, it's still a fact that Black people are more likely to be disciplined and less likely to be promoted than whites. So we're going to kind of talk a little military and um, American history today. And I, which I find, I was thinking this morning, uh, thing you know, coming into the show today, that um, neither one of us have served in the military. Although I have several several military uh, people in my uh, family and and in history, so uh, or you know ancestors. So I just I uh, there was this part of me that's like, um, am I allowed to do this? You know, like without yes. the. The you know the, the and it, of course the answer is yes. I just realized that you know more of a little more even outsider view since I'm not a black person and I haven't served in the military. However, it's just part of the military again is uh, part of our you know the the system in which we live is an, an outpicturing of a system that was created more than 400 years ago. And uh, yes, and and we're also going to talk about, and I think we're qualified for this. We're also going to talk about um, the sometimes awkwardness, weirdness of of honoring our <clears throat> veterans in the military, those who served in our churches. Sometimes it's a little, um, I don't. What's what's the word I want? It's a little awkward. You know, awkward, we are yeah. we're we're communities that that stand and speak for peace. And yet we honor those who have served the military, which, uh, amongst other things, uh, the U.S. military and their foreign policy has been great perpetuators of violence Um, and acknowledging that some of our community members who belong to our spiritual communities may have never encountered violence. They may have served in National Guard. They may have done other things. Um, that have been in in true service to um, to areas here in the U.S. So so we're just acknowledging all of that and um, and, and well, what and what's, what that looks like. Yeah, well, and what's interesting about that is that they, while yes, the military has certainly been engaged in war, they've actually done a whole lot more of things that are not war. Yes. Than, than violence and war. And yet when we, it's one of the challenges in spiritual communities, when you say military, people kind of that awkward, like the angst of, oh, we're not talking about, you know, they're going to be it, the, immediately just the mind goes to violence and war and destruction and killing people. And there's a whole lot more to the military than that. Yes. Yes, there is. And I also would like to point out one thing when you, when you welcomed, uh, us the, when you welcome the listeners, or you started open the show, you did say, uh, whenever you're watching, and I would like to remind oh, those listening, <laughs> listening, there's there's no video, there's no there's no video recording of this, so don't don't send us emails and calls going like, where do we watch it? Yeah, um, sorry, watching that, that's with, okay, watching with your heart. How's that? Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, no and well, and yes like we can listening. listen we can see each other and much of what we do uh you know we do on zoom and other things that people can see us so so i i understand the switching the switching can be problematic um but i, I just wanted to clarify to our listeners that it's only it's only audio of this but but if you visit projectsanctus.com you'll see many opportunities to connect with us and see our pretty faces uh, if you want to do that as well. And before we jump in, we do want to remind you, and we'll probably remind you at the end, um, 
But I'm saying this up front, just in case we lose some people along the way. It could happen. I don't imagine why, but it could. Um, but uh, next week um, is our final show for the year uh, before the the network goes on, I guess, a holiday break. And we want this to be a show focused on you, the listener. Um, please send us feedback, whether you like what we're saying or you don't like what we're saying. Send us questions. Send us comments. Uh, things you want us to talk about. We've already been getting a couple things in, um, and we'd like to fill up the whole hour with with where you're at. We're checking in with you. Uh, we've got about, what is this, episode 10? Is this episode 10? Did we hit double digits, or is this nine? I think uh, we did. I don't know. But, but we, yes, we, we, we thrown, did. This is 10? Yes. Double digits, people. Uh, we've thrown out a lot of stuff over the last nine, today, 10 episodes, and um, I, I'm sure some thoughts have arisen, some feelings have been triggered, all that sort of stuff. We want to check in with you. Um, and as Kelly mentioned at the beginning, you can, if you're listening live, you can jump in with questions, comments in the conversation anytime. Uh, the number is 816-251-3555. Call us. We'll talk about it. And we understand that this is an issue that is still very uncomfortable for a lot of folks. So even if you submit your questions on social media or you email us, Ogun, or Kelly at projectsanctus.com. Um, you can, if you want to be anonymous with your submission, because however awkward you feel around this, there's an option for that too. The best way to find that option, that anonymous form that you can contribute is find our Instagram page. It's the handle at get our holy on, uh, click the, click the link in the, in the bio. It's a it's it's what you call a link tree. So it'll take you to it's not our main web page, but it'll take you to a page that has a lot of different links and options. That's that's where we have it for now. So you can do that. Or uh, you know, it's Linktree L I N K T R dot E E slash project underscore sanctus, which is a lot to like notate right now. So that's why you just find us find us on on Instagram and click the link there and you'll then you'll see a button for the response form for with love and justice for all you can submit an anonymous comment question feedback whatever at that place um even if you don't want to remain anonymous we're not going to share names on the air right so, so you can dm us uh you can dm us on social um and we will not share names yeah so. and even and even there might be even some other details to the feedback that to just to keep it anonymous sure and other details we might change so exactly yeah all right so, so before we jump in though because it is pearl harbor day um i just want to say a couple things about what it you know about it um uh just kind of put it in a, a little bit of context um in that uh so this was so december 7th 1941 right so 80 years um and this event really changed. Um, it, what's interesting is that uh, I believe that the military was not desegregated till after, um, till after this. But I could be wrong on that. But it's. Um, but this was a um, um, the the U.S. and Japan already had you know quite a bit of tension going on throughout the early part of the 20th century. Um, it had really creeped up to a boil when um, Japan attempted to conquer China um, and China and Japan went to war in 37. Um, and so by 1940, the U.S. really looked at Japan as a, a threat. Um, and then um, what what I find really interesting about it, and at the same time, this was going on because this was the event that brought U.S. into World War II. Um, and uh, so while this was going on and, um, you know, things are stirring with China and Japan and the Soviet Union and Nazi Germany is is continuing its conquest of a lot of Europe. And the U.S. had pretty much up to this point stayed neutral in both both conflicts. And 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 what's the reason I'm saying all that is that. Um, to think about this neutrality, that that was a huge, one of the most divisive public issues of our day with the American public is this, this trying to be neutral. You mean, you mean there was a time when the U.S. military wasn't doing a self-service, a self-servant international intervention of countries? 
That's correct. There's a lot of times they don't. <laughs> I can hear your bias, though, but yes, the military no, does a lot of things that are not that. This this is more incredulousness. Of course, of course, this is, you know, I will I will hold myself accountable for for not investigating, just taking in what I see on the mainstream media. Yes. Right. So we hear a lot about that. Uh, we don't often hear about all the good that yes. the military yeah. Does. However, sometimes ineffectively to do that good. But again, well, just because you don't hear about all the effective ones. I don't hear about um, it. And thanks to the media. Thanks to the media. And and to follow up, yes, I asked Dr. Google and the armed forces was desegregated here in the US, July 26, forty eight. Yeah. So even at, we're talking about this and the military still or the military is still segregated. Anyway, the the what I so but what I found really fascinating was the US trying to stay neutral, you know, between Japan and China and this mess over here and then in Europe with Nazi Germany and um uh and and that trying to be neutral was hugely divisive in the country and I'm like yeah, that's what um, it, it almost seems like there's not much neutrality going on these days around um, racism, anti-racism, you know, the, the, what we talk about. And yet I find more and more people like silence is is trying to be neutral when there isn't a neutral place to stand. Yeah. You know, the, the silence becomes complicit. Well, silence is a position. Silence, silence. Yes, it is. Silence but is people think it's being neutral. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I just found that it was interesting that 80 years ago, it was like most divisive public issue of our day. And, you know, here we are still, or again, um, people thinking there's a, a neutral place to be, um, maybe not saying it outwardly, but but when I listen in conversations and be in conversations with people and and the interpretation of silence. So anyway, um, that was just interesting to me. So um, uh, and part of the reason for that was the U.S. is still trying to recover from the Great Depression. Yeah. Um, and so trying to, you know, massive amounts of money and, and resources to engage in, you know, another war. Um, it's just, um, yeah, was just sort of beyond us. So that's a, you know, I'm not going to go into the more the history of the Pearl Harbor day. It was just, that was our entryway into, um, world war two. And so, and, and that neutrality thing that they're really, I'm not sure there's such a, such a thing there's, you know, I've heard of some programs, um, you know, for spiritual communities, uh, or writings around conscious neutrality. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure anymore, Ogan, if there is such a thing <laughs> as neutrality. I, 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 and I don't know that I should be shooting for it. So. Um, yes. Uh, I think, I think there's, I think new, I think the term neutrality has often been interpreted as um, non, non-aggressive involvement. Right, we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna fight. We're not gonna be uh, be be at war. We're not gonna, and therefore the opposite is is peace and neutrality. When that's not the case at all, we just I mean we just have to look at any of our great um, activists and civil rights leaders who were nonviolent, but they were definitely not neutral. Right. <laughs> uh, so so yes, we can we can do both, and often sometimes the neutrality is. As you've been alluding to, um, the 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 efforts to, I think, bypass the efforts to not allow oneself to take a stance, because then if you take a stance for something that implies that you are against something, and there's there's a lot of emphasis around standing for, but not standing against, um, and. And also implied in that is when we stand against something, we are not acknowledging the divine in the people who represent what we're standing against. And no, we can do we can do both. Uh, seeing and acknowledging the divine in another does not mean we agree with what they believe. Remember, we're fully divine. We're fully human. 
and 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 those of us who are on the spiritual journey are endeavoring to have our human self be the best out picture in of our divine self. And some of us aren't trying that hard. Let's be clear uh, right. ab- about yeah, yeah. Ab- about that. And and we don't need to agree with the behaviors. Anyone who's been a parent or been a teacher for more than five minutes, no, we can we can acknowledge who you are apart from your behaviors. That doesn't mean we condone and agree with the behaviors. And to not condone the behaviors uh, doesn't mean we don't see you and acknowledge you as a human being, as an individual. Um, and that's, again, a, a, a sometimes an awkward, challenging place for spiritual communities as we've, we've seen them struggling through this, this, this time uh, or endeavoring to be anti-racist communities and individuals within communities without acknowledging, you know, whatever discriminations or inequities of power and hierarchies are set up within the communities themselves can't, can't, can't fix slash heal a problem without talking about the problem without right. acknowledging that there is a problem yeah. um so so you know so that sort of brings us back to to this question about um minority serving in the military black serving in the military which goes all the way back to the civil war and 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 even then it was um challenging at at best for example some of the first black regiments uh weren't even allowed to carry weapons um, as as well, uh, I don't know if the and and these were these were these were former slaves, escaped enslaved people, uh, freed black individuals from other places who were, um, I I think in a measure that I I I can comprehend, willing to die for a nation that treated them as horrendously as it did. Um, that 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 sort of. You know, now for me, that's what I call patriotism, <laughs> not the not the you know much of the full patriotism we we hear bandied about these days. You know, I'm a patriot, so let's not wear masks or take vaccines. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, being able to stand up and say, I want to represent, I want to um, um, fight for this country that it's not perfect, has done me wrong in so many ways. But I, it's still me. This is all I know. It's still mine. I'm still part of it. I belong here. So I'm going to fight for it. So, so that was, that was a lot of what, um, the, those earliest black soldiers in the Civil War were fighting for the North. And interestingly enough, um, before Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, um, funny enough, uh, uh, even, even, even in even pre-Civil War times, going back even earlier, uh, when during the uh, the American Revolution, right? There were there were enslaved people uh, uh, who, even in the South, who were told, "If you will, if you will help us out against the the British uh, or or the French, sorry, the French would co-opt their help. You help us out against the British and and." we'll make things easier for you. There was, there was that involvement um, as, as well. So, so even colonial times um, enslaved people and, and escaped enslaved people and free blacks were involved in the army, the military fought and died for this country and were very rarely acknowledged for their service. I think that, uh, yeah, not just acknowledged, but, but the country that they're, quote unquote fighting for has a constitution that says they're not even fully human. There's that too. There's 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 yeah. there's that too. So I think I think there was a sense of yes, things are broken and the only way we can fix it is is if we are part of the conversation at the table. In order to do that, we have to fight for this this nation. Mm-hmm. So it must have been a very it must have been a very uh paradoxical uh reckon having trouble reconciling those two positions i can't i can't imagine um right. what it what it must what it must be like um and in in many ways that that continued you mentioned you know pearl harbor and our entry into world war ii that continued then too right um so american black american soldiers going off to to fight in world war ii um in 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 the fields of europe and being not just being, you know, mistreated, discriminated against there, but then coming back home 
to even worse treatments than I, what they what they encountered there. Um, and and we know for fact, you know, from Civil War to World War Two that uh, many of the black military personnel distinguished themselves um, in the battlefields, in the in the air. You know, Civil War. We you know we talk about the Buffalo Soldiers. Um, you yeah. Know, um, in the in the World War Two in the air, you got the uh, the Red Tails. Um, they were they were, yeah, distinguished themselves um, as well. Only to return home to be you know spit upon because because you know now they're now they're coming back home, and it's 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 the Jim Crow era, um, and yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Um... Um, bringing up the uh, the Buffalo Soldiers, I think some people have heard the term before, um, maybe not everybody listening, but um, <clears throat> just the Buffalo Soldiers were um, uh, African-American soldiers who served on the Western frontier at, right after, formed in 1866, right after the Civil War. Um, there were six all-Black cavalry and infantry regiments, um, and they were... Uh, uh, created after Congress passed, and this might be an oxymoron, the Army Organization Act. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of like military intelligence. Okay, so now I'm dogging on military again. Um, But what's what's interesting is coming, you know, keep within the context of racism um, and um, and hierarchy and and power is they were formed, the Buffalo Soldier, um, Buffalo Soldiers, those regiments uh, were formed to control the Native Americans on the plains, to to capture cattle rustlers, um, you know, protect settlers um, and stagecoaches, um, and um, and so it's uh, you know, and there is some some there's not really agreement on where the name Buffalo Soldiers came from. Uh, some historians talk about the name came from their hair. Um, you know, a black person's hair, having the Native Americans thinking and seeing or, or touching it, and, and a, it resembled the fur of a buffalo. Um, and the other other historians say that because of the the way the soldiers fought um, fiercely and valiantly, that they were revered by Native Americans because of that. You know, and so revered for um, being powerful and being. Um, um, fierce and which is how the, the buffalo or native americans were held we all um, we all we all know it came from the bob marley sound come on <laughs> right and jesus carries the king james <laughs> version of the bible hey as as we're sharing facts <laughs> right right yep. also also you know coming a bit full circle to you uh mistakenly inviting people to watch us today mm-hmm. is a good camera day because because my hair right now yeah, I got the shaggy buffalo hair going on. It is, it is not. It is. <laughs> Listen, it's so, it's so funny. My girlfriend Ava's like, so what's, what's happening with your hair? When's the last time you've been to a barber? And I'm like, you know what? I've been, I, I, I've been bald for so many years, so many decades. I'm like, I'm letting it do what it do. I'm just letting it do what it do. And she's like, it's not doing it great. I'm like, that's, that's a matter of opinion. <laughs> But good, yes. good camera day. <laughs> Great is subjective. Yeah, exactly. And, um, but any anyway, that was um, uh, so because of their their um, their bravery, their tenaciousness, um, you know, on the battlefield, and and so the the um, the name for you know potentially came from the Native Americans' respect for their soldiers' bravery. Because think about it, this is also the Buffalo soldiers and these uh, regiments were formed. Um, they were the first to serve during peacetime because it's 1866. So the, these regiments of what were called the, the um, Buffalo soldiers um, were, were uh, um, formed during peacetime. So it's not just during war where you're <clears throat> there, maybe you're forced to to go serve or, you know, the patriotic idea, but actually formed during peacetime, um, I think is even more compelling. But that's me. Yeah. Um, 
so um and then they consolidated down to there was four there were six regiments and eventually over time it consolidated down to two um but it um so that's that's the a little bit of you know if you've ever heard the term buffalo soldiers um there's depending on which history version you read um it depends on on potentially where that name came from and it's i just think that regardless of where the name comes from to be you know doing work of you know um how do we keep the the indigenous people in line i'm like oh Mm -hmm. so not not a new story um, in 1866 <laughs> and uh, uh you know i mentioned the red tails um um that was the nickname given to that elite um um f- uh, flying flying airmen the tuskegee airmen um they yeah. were they were black pilots uh, this is world war Two, and um they 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 really made a name for themselves in the in the World War II campaigns. And we also have to uh, acknowledge the um, amazing work of the Native American um, code breakers. Code talkers. Code, code talkers as, as yep. well as we speak of uh, those involved in military service. So when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the state of the military today. And are we going to fix it? We're going to fix it. <laughs> You're listening to With Love and Justice for All. You're listening to With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Welcome back to With Love and Justice for All. And today we're talking about the military. More specifically, we are uh, discussing um, Pearl Harbor Day. Today is December 7th, um, honoring the the attack at Pearl Harbor and those who uh, lost their lives. Uh, We mentioned in the first half of the show, uh, you know, this was this was the impetus for the U.S. to get involved in the Civil War. Sorry, the Civil War, World War Two, wrong war, World War Two, uh, and uh, <clears throat> got ahead of myself there. We, you know, we also talked about involvement of of black soldiers in the Civil War and in World War Two, uh, Native Americans in in the war as well, and even though the um, military has been officially desegregated since 1948. Um, there's, there's still discrimination. There's still racism. There's still uh, issues to take care of. Uh, I mean, to the point that uh, I think President Kennedy in the 60s, things were so bad he he had to he had to convene a special like uh, like a panel or committee to investigate it and, and and try to do something about it. So you know, even though even though you know, some will, some will point to, you know, what's illegal these days. You know, discrimination is illegal. Uh, sexism is illegal. Uh, you know, overt homophobia is illegal. Sure, we have laws. And having laws and enacting the laws and practicing the laws and practicing the ideals on which the law stands is a whole different situation. Um, so, um, for example, here's, here, here's an example. Um, you know, we, we have desegregated the military. Uh, the civil war has been over for quite some time, regardless of what some folks would say in the South with their flags, um, or, or in the Northeast or in the Midwest. Have I left out anywhere? The West. (laughs) The West. The Southwest. The Northwest. The Southwest. Right. Despite what some may, may, may want to make you believe, um, yes, the Civil War has been over for quite some time. Yet there are still, for example, many military bases and parts of bases that are named after Confederate generals. Um, and, and there are efforts under, um, underway by the military to attempt to rename these. There's a lot of pushback. Um, I don't know if you watch um, Amber Ruffin, Amber Ruffin, the comedian. She has a great show and she did a great piece about this, um, why we should be renaming bases and, and gave some suggestions. Um, but I mean, kind of draw a parallel. Imagine, you know, in Germany or other parts of Europe, there were still military bases, you know, named after Hitler or Goebbels or Mussolini or any of those folks who did the atrocities that they did. Um, that's not a thing. Um, but for somehow here in the U S we still have, um, 
these 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 names. We still have bases. We still have schools named after Robert E. Lee, and, and not just and, the names, but the huge resistance to change the names. Yes, yes, what because the heck? well, you know, come on, that's that's part of our heritage. We can't we can't erase. Go look our, at it in a museum. <laughs> we can't. Shh. Don't 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 give out the obvious answer. Make them work for it. Um, uh, yes, yes. This is this is this is the this is the ongoing issue. Um, and and you know we 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 saw we saw the pushback. You know when statues have been taken down or and continue to be taken down um, of these Confederate generals. Who let's remember what the Civil War was? It was a bunch of states seceding from the nation in order to maintain their right for owning people for a slave-based economy. And if anyone tells you different, please tell them, go to Dr. Google, because that's what it was. Um, And some may say, but you know, my ancestors, they were peaceful farmers and they didn't have any inkling in that way. And, uh, you know, I, remember seeing this wonderful interview with someone protesting, waving his Confederate flag and said, my, my forefathers were too poor to own slaves. And like, before we could unpack all what's wrong with that statement, um, you know, the, the point was, if you, you don't, you don't say I'm against a thing that this part of my country represents and then go fight for it. So, so yes. So anyways, Civil War, we know how that turned out, and there's still to this day questions of do these statues and things honoring um, Confederate generals and personalities still deserve to be displayed? Short answer is no. And, and to what you said earlier, the other part of the answer is, but we do not destroy them lest we forget. This is why we have yeah. museums. This is why we have these, you know, there, there is a place for them, but that place is not in the town square or, you know, the name of the courthouse or the name of the military base. Well, the, the, and, <clears throat> you know, the, the military is, is, uh, there's, Go for on, many say, people, say. There, I know, well, I'm trying to make a sentence. I'm, apparently I'm struggling today to connect the word dots. I thought people could come and view us, but no, they have to listen. So they have to listen. Uh, right. So, but I, I think lots of people, um, all colors have been taught or, uh, you know, unconsciously taught that the military is likely one place where everybody kind of has a level playing field and, and um, that you make it to the top based on your hard work. And that it's, you know, really based on merit and, mm-hmm. and that there is an unconscious, there's a lot of unconscious unexamined assumptions, but I think compared to other structures and such within the United States, the military, people tend to assume that, that it's, it's more of a level playing field or less racist or, or, or something like that. And yet when you look at the major military academies, like the air force Academy or the U S military Academy at West point, there's still this so many things from the um, Confederacy that are memorialized. I mean, even a street name, like, you know, so, okay, you don't want to take down a statue or this, you, you know, renaming a street, like that these days seems a little bit easier, but, um, but why, why have barracks named after, uh, you know, after General Lee and why have, um, I I don't know. I just, um, and the, and the other interesting piece about the, this is, um, most of these monuments and namings didn't happen during or right after the civil war. A lot of this happened during the Jim Crow era to remind black folk about their place so they were they were erected as as intimidation factors right um, right way after the war and the interestingly the one there's um from a uh there's this life-size um painting of lee at and maybe as we're speaking now maybe it's come down but there's this life-size painting of lee at the um the military academy at West Point, it's six feet tall. 
of Robert E. Lee in mm-hmm. the library. And the only black person who got on a wall in the entire humongous school is an enslaved person. That's part of that painting. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, does nobody notice the, the disconnect? Like, uh, you know, uh, what so, are we doing so, so, so even though things have gotten better in today's military, there's still uh, a, a ways to go um, as, yeah. as well. So, um, you know, we have, we have this, ex- you know, we give the example of, of, of the names of Confederate soldiers and, and generals still up there. Um, we, you know, there's still, there's still no, no explicit um, category for hate crimes in the military right. judicial system. So, so right. if someone wanted to complain or, or, or make a report that were being discriminated against, there's, there's no process to see that through yep. um, as, as, as well. Um uh, interestingly enough, we're coming up on we're coming up on the is it the one year or the two year? Is it one year? The one year it's anniversary one year. <laughs> of of the attempted insurrection at the Capitol. Yeah. And interestingly enough, almost one in five of those people who hit the Capitol had military ties or once served in the military uh, as as well. So there are there are fairly radical radical views around around race and racism in the military yeah the uniform code of military justice does not just address discriminatory incidents um there's uh whether it's you know and and whether it's you know any kind of hate crime so race or you know um it's sexual expression and gender, like, you know, sexism, you know, and there's no, there's absolutely nowhere to go. And um, the military says that it processed more than 750 complaints of discrimination by race or ethnicity from service members in 2020 alone. Hmm. So I'm not, but if you don't, um, uh, um, if there's no place for, you know, hate crimes, like they're not part of the the code of military justice, then I'm not, you know, 750 complaints, how many incidences were there really? Because then I got to wonder how many people didn't file a complaint, because what's the point? Because there's no, there's no way to do anything about it. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, it's the unreported numbers that you always have to worry, worry about. And, and and because of that, then it also supports the continuation of these incidences because right. folk, folks are going to get a, get away with it. Um, and and whenever there are efforts to to address this, of course, there's there's pushback. And we we saw an example of that um, not that long ago. Is uh, you know, it, it not only made the news, but it was a it was a clip that went viral on social media of all places when um, after the Capitol riots. Uh, um, riots, insurrection. I gotta, I gotta stop saying that. <laughs> that the term has been programmed in me by the media, right? Capital riots. So it wasn't a riot. It was, it was an attempted insurrection to subvert a, the democratic process. Let's just get that straight. about what it was, um, we, you know, the the Congress was interviewing um, members of high ranking members of of the military and. Uh, General Milley, and I forget what he what rank he was serving at the time, um, but um, and I can look that up. He was he was one of the highest serving members. Um, he was pretty much accosted by uh, hate to give him any airtime, Senator Josh Hawley, um, yeah. around around critical race theory and the concerns about how that would how that would. And, you know, become divisive and, and encourage separation and division within within the military and, and folks in the military need to work together as one, not not be taught otherwise. And again, again, critical race theory, convenient boogeyman, uh, not being taught as a subject in the military in any way, shape or form. But General Milley went on to say something fascinating. This was the bit that really went viral. Excuse me. He said, I want to understand white rage and I am white. What what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America? What's wrong with having some situational understanding about the country that we are here to defend? And, And I think that's an important point that he made so well right 
Yeah. What's wrong with having some situational understanding? And again, let's be clear that uh, the the attempted insurrection was was uh, was around the lie that the election was stolen, right? right? Mm-hmm. And and let's also be clear that the 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 that many of those folks who supported the lie supported the former president who promoted the lie are folks who are uh, uh white supremacists white supremacy adjacent uh white uh, nationalists white nationalists christian white nationalists um and and interestingly enough interestingly enough now we mentioned again we may one in five were were former military um, we actually had some off-duty law enforcement involved as well, but also interesting enough, and this is the thing we're gonna we plan to talk about in another show. A lot of re- like sort of new thoughty, spiritually, you know, yoga type people as well. Uh, you know, the the most prolific of whom was you know the QAnon sh- shaman dude with the buffalo headdress. Um, you know, but but there were many others. Uh, who belong to yoga communities and stuff, and 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 I remember being really surprised at this, um, and then remembering that that um, you know I, I lived for some time in Massachusetts, uh, New England, um, as comedian W. Kamel Bell says, you know that's home of the nice racism. Um, they uh, <laughs> they you know I did know quite a few like yoga and spiritual teachers who were planning to vote. And did vote for President Trump in the last election, and I was really, really confused by this. And then it, and then I read this great article that 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 reminded me that what they were defending and standing up for was their whiteness, their their white yeah. privilege, even if they were not aware that that was what was happening. And 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 that was an eye opener for me. It's like, oh yeah. Yeah, that's 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 what happened, and I know, I know, I know. Some of you will, some of you will send me the letters and the emails and said, but there were some black folk in the in the mob that was storming the Capitol. Yes, again, we're not painting, <laughs> we're not painting with, we're painting. Sorry, we are painting with a broad brush. We're not painting in exactitudes, right? Was every person who was a yoga teacher there? No. Was every person with the military history there? No. Right. Is every person in the military racist? No, that's not what we're saying. So, so if just just hear hear it as how we are present we are presenting it. Uh, we're not taking roll call. No one took roll call at the insurrection, um, as 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 well. Um, so so that's that's there's 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 room. There's always room for um, improvement, and you know I take I take hope that now the uh, the 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 top the top commander in the military i forget the rank the 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 help me uh, out here. he's well he's a secretary of defense as there you go uh, secretary of defense general uh, general lloyd austin although, yeah lloyd austin um first black man ever to serve in that post as secretary of defense um that's a huge deal um he uh uh when he um um, in last February, uh, he ordered commanders and supervisors to take uh, what was called an operational pause for one day to discuss the extre- extremism in the ranks um, as a, you know, partly a response to January 6th, the attempted insurrection. Um, and he gave uh, commanders the latitude to address the matter as they saw fit. But what his focus was, was discussions that include the meaning of their oath and, uh, you know, behavior that's acceptable both in and out of uniform and, um, and reporting actual extremist behavior, um, you know, through the chains of command, like really challenging um, commanders and uh, supervisors within the military and wherever they're serving to start paying attention to um um, to reporting, um, you know, the discriminatory acts and to, um, and to, yeah, to just like keep bring, bringing the issues forward. Um, and it's, it's that uh, challenge um, 
that if you've never been in military, like I can say for me and others I've talked to having never served in the military and yet have a, a close family members who have trying to understand that chain of command thing and following orders like it, it can be a catch 22 seriously to not follow an order um, that could be someone, you know, your superior officer is asking you to engage in something that, you know, is inherently racist. And yet you can be, uh, you know, court-martialed for not following an order. And yeah. and here's Austin, though, now asking for people to to start having those conversations. So, yeah. And of course, there are some who are fully supportive and some who are pushing back. So, you know, kind of like the rest of the country. <laughs> what else? What else is new? So in the time we have left, let's 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 shift this conversation a little bit to yeah. to what we started. Uh, what we mentioned at the top of the hour was around, you know, in our spiritual communities, we have people who have served. We have uh, I mean, we have people of all political affiliations. We got we got, you know. Again, don't send me letters. We got we got hippie tree huggers in unity, you know, um, and we also those who are veterans and even currently serving. Um, so it always becomes like this weird place sometimes around not just Veterans Day, but Memorial Day and um, other days, you know, honoring honoring those who have served in the military. And to your point earlier, because we often associate military with conflict and violence even though they do so much more, um, as you reminded me. And, um, you know, in, in, in a weird way for some people, it feels like honoring those who serve is in some way also honoring that um, war and violence um, that the military is often engaged in. And how do we reconcile that if we are, you know, then singing the peace song at the end of the service, right? So... So I don't know what 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 thoughts do you have on that briefly? You want to start? Want me to jump in? Yeah, well, I think um, you know it's if we go back to uh, those you know agreements that that we've used in multiple places. Uh, I think we've you know done our IG live um, around those eight agreements. There's several of them that you know try it on you know, is mm-hmm. an agreement, which means expanding our perspective that you don't, that if you hear the word military or you hear, you know, and you automatically go to violence and war and that's all they do, then the invitation is to go Dr. Google. Because uh, there there are many things that the, the military does that have nothing to do with war and violence that actually, you know, they, in many ways, they, they all, they do, in in I don't know many ways, but in I do know that there has been a focus over the decades around um, environmental issues and yeah. and in, upholding and engineering engineering projects. Yes, uh, yes. I I received I received my COVID vaccination from um, what do you call them? Uh, I said the names earlier. The like National Guard was deployed to to, yeah. to set up vaccination stations and and and. Yep. You know, it's a uniformed soldier who, yep. who stuck we in had the that arm. here. We had exactly. that here in Kansas City, a mall well, that's, that's pretty much empty. Yeah, that's that's where it got my shot. Oh, OK. In yeah. Kansas City. Right. So 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 again, don't we're please don't hear us coming across as anti-military as always, as always, there is room for improvement. And 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 so we're addressing that um, as as well. Um, and and I think and I think it's one of those things where in churches um, we have to like not make assumptions that everyone's comfortable or uncomfortable with it. As always, have discussions, and maybe where that discussion starts is making sure to speak to those who you want to honor, the veterans, the those currently serving, those mm-hmm. who have lost, um, um, yeah, family members. Um, in in military service on Memorial Day, how would you want to be honored at this time? How would you like your loved ones to be honored? Have a conversation with them, and and again find that middle ground if there needs to be one between what they would like and what what you know is in alignment with your church's vision, mission, core values, um, whatever. There's there's the both end. There's 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 the middle ground. Um, I we'll remember, learn a little bit more. <laughs> I, yeah, I I remember at, at one church I was serving. Uh, you know, they wanted to 
um, I believe it was on Veterans Day, um, put put an American flag up on the stage. And that doesn't resonate well with a lot of folks because it was um, I don't remember what year this was, but but it was it was problematic uh, for for a lot of folks. We had some discussions around that. Um, one person, you know, said, can we get a peace flag to go beside it? Um, so, so what we ended, what our, what our final middle ground compromise was, we would have the two flags, but they wouldn't, wouldn't be on the stage. It would be another part of the facility and, and we would, we would invite or, you know, veterans to stand and, and honor them if anyone wanted to share to share. So, so part of it is yes, in, involve in discussions. And as we are involved in those discussions, be very clear to acknowledge both the good and perhaps the not so good that is associated with the military, like anything else. There's, you know, we can we can do that. And yes, it could be uncomfortable. And as you will hear us say many times, it is in the tension of the discomfort, the growth happens, the connection happens. Our whole, our whole federal emergency management, you know, what responding to disasters, Mm -hmm. that whole um, incident command system, the, or the national incident management, there's all these acronyms, but so the, what's called NIMS, the national incident management system and ICS, the incident command center, you know, it, it, and how that's organized and how that was formed and how that works was all designed by the military. So, and which is one of the reasons when there is a major disaster, they're one of the first ones that show up because they're, they're equipped. There's large numbers. They, you know, have been trained. In fact, my sister helped write the book for FEMA. Wow. (laughs) Um, What FEMA does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She's a retired uh, Air Force Colonel. And there's a lot of things. That's one of the reasons I get a little, don't shoot the messenger, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because there's a whole lot of things that the military has done and does. And yeah. like any institution has its warts and, 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 and room for improvement. Yes. Um, so, yes. so, so um, if you're listening to this live or on Tuesday or soon afterwards, do some deep dive in some investigation around Pearl Harbor, the military, um, and, and hold a space in your spiritual community for somebody else's experience with the military. Exactly. And as we uh, sign off, remember, we want to hear from you for yes. our show next week. So please uh, write us, email us, DM us, call us. If you got my number, I'm not going to share it here publicly, uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> we can we'll go about that way. So another great episode of with love and justice for all. Let us continue creating a world of love, justice, and equity that works for all. Let's get our holy on.